Hey, Cam. Yes, Don. Do you ever think about how crammed your trailer is when you go race? Dude, all the time. Race cars, golf carts, jets, power wheels, and all of his toys, his little dirt bikes, his strider bikes, all that stuff. I'm crammed. But I'm sure everybody in motorsports is feeling the same way. Well, now our audience has someone to call. They need to call Lance at lbtrailers.com. Lance is carrying over 70 motorsports haulers in stock options from top to bottom. We always talk about looking the part in motorsports, traveling up and down the road and at the track. Now you can look the part with LB Trailer Sales. Go to online to lbtrailers.com or stop by Facebook at LB Trailer Sales. You have a friend in the trailer business and make sure to tell them that racers and rental cars sent you. Let's put it up for the weekend warriors. It's the Racers and Rental Cars Podcast with your host, Top Fuel Cam, Cameron Bray, and his co-host, Mr. Top Sportsman, Don O'Neill. Keep on. Thank you for downloading today's episode of the Racers and Rental Cars podcast, brought to you in part by MotionRaceworks.com. Stop by Motion Raceworks for all your high-performance needs. If you need to go fast, visit MotionRaceworks.com today. All right, Ryan, I don't know, episode 70-something, COVID-19 with Paul Lee. Here we go. What's up, West Coast Cam? Hi, Don. How are you? It is Wednesday hump day as we're finally recording on a normal schedule. And so that makes me excited that it's the middle of the afternoon and you didn't decide to wait until 10 o'clock tonight to actually phone your job in. So I'm, I'm doing pretty good right now. Hey, man, you know, I'm doing the best I can with what I got over here. OK. OK, <laughs> so is this the part of the show where you want somebody to actually feel sorry for you? No, I don't need anybody to feel sorry for me because I mean. I seriously could hey, give my, you. Hey, my secretary Jet is is doing a fantastic job lately. He's he's getting me all structured and and uh, dialed in. So it's been good. So you want to put your logistic and scheduling conflicts on your less than two year old kid? Absolutely. <laughs> well, and he you, seems to be doing a better job at scheduling myself than than I do. So. So I see the pass the buck program going on out there in the lovely West Coast state of California. Oh, yeah. You know me. I'm just saying because, I mean, uh, every time somebody asks me about how things are off camera and behind the microphone when it comes to recording the podcast, I always tell them that I feel like I'm Brad Paisley and the song is playing in the background and it's not waiting on a woman. It's waiting on Cam. Hey, you told me I've been doing really good the past three weeks, so I tried your words. I tried to do the positive reinforcement, that reverse psychology to try to get you to be a little bit more energetic and motivated, uh, because obviously the negative shaming was just not working. <laughs> hey, man, I got to say, we've, I've, I've been able to acquire a couple pretty awesome guests the last couple weeks, including today. So, you, so this is the part of the show where you want someone to pat you on the back. I just want to make sure I'm following my format that yeah. I got over here on my production sheet. I want to make sure that I'm checking Absolutely. these blocks. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, let's, Not Cam for the first 45 seconds and then follow up with a pat on the back. Yeah, we're good with that. Yeah. And then, and, then, and, then schedule, and then schedule them in for next week, maybe on Wednesday. Well, if we were in the military, I'd follow it up with a swift kick in the ass. That's what I would kind of get you there. To well, that... That works too. My wife usually gives me some of those sometimes too. So, well, that's a stretch for her because she's only four foot tall. But anyway, <laughs> so, so I really want to talk about the fact it's Wednesday and this is going to drop on Saturday. But a couple things have happened uh, since we last dropped our podcast last week with James Day. We obviously have had a couple things in the motorsports world. The one that happened today that I'm really stoked about, and everybody's going to go, well, why would he be stoked about this? Um, I saw today that it was announced that Kyle Larson completed his sensitivity training. I did it, see that, and he's going Outlaws racing. Yep. Right? He, him yeah. and Casey Kane are going to go to the World of Outlaws. Uh, so it's, you know, for Casey, it's his first time back after taking a little bit of a break due to medical. Uh, but then also at the same time, Kyle getting back behind the wheel. Uh, I'm sure it's a significant, you know, I'm 
painting it as a ray of sunshine because Kyle completed his sensitivity training and he's going racing. Uh, but earlier in the week, his homes in North Carolina were put up for sale. And so that obviously did not take long for Kyle to start restructuring his personal life. Um, So that was kind of a bummer. Uh, Black cloud. Don't want to, you know, I mean, obviously he had a black cloud from what happened and transpired. What I was a little kind of taken aback from was how quickly World of Outlaws approved him, cleared him to race. But as of today of us recording this, NASCAR has not cleared him. Yeah, I did. The part that I read, it said something about how he still had to, you know, they were going to review his, what he did, uh, or his training of whatever, and then they would announce later at a later time, which it's probably smart. I mean, they're not going to do that. They're not going to follow World of Outlaws. I mean, they're going to wait a little bit so people forget about it for a minute, and then they're going to bring it back when they feel the time is right. So, I mean, that's a, that's a PR deal. Well, I mean, is it? I mean, I'm kind of, I'm over here going, you know what? We're supposed to be the country of second chances. And and it was brought up about the fact and 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 I know it's different, but in a, in a way it's kind of not, but the guy um and now his name leaves my mind that on the truck series that he used a racial slur. He basically was sensitivity training, approved, cleared, and he was back in a back in a race vehicle two weeks later. And here we are, Kyle Larson. He can't even get cleared to race. So I I I'm I'm over here with the emoji with my hand on my chin, going, uh, what gives? Yeah. Well, I mean, at the end of the day, he doesn't have a ride, so they got time. Which well, he, he is can't, terrible to say, but he can't get a ride if he can't drive. I'm right. just saying. I, I mean, it's kind of hard. Hey, here's your car. You can shine. No, on I it. agree. Chicken or the egg, but I can't see NASCAR being as big as they are, following suit of World of Outlaws. They're gonna let it. They're gonna let it simmer for a minute. Well, that's just my opinion. But well, hey. who am I? I'm just. I just live in California, so. Uh, well, and at California's times, opinions don't generally matter. So. Well, and sometimes you live under a rock. I'm just gonna say, but nonetheless. Also true. Well, so NASCAR's coming back. NHRA had their huge, not so huge. I guess we want to let you know that we haven't fallen off the face of the earth press release. Um, as we have seen the month of June and July go to the wayside for national events. I am still over here hopeful that my Luke- favorite part of the press release was it wasn't much of a press release and the fact that they um all the I don't know if you saw on social media a lot of the comments and stuff and there was a lot of predominantly named drivers that were commenting s- stating so where's the schedule <laughs> you, you they used a big image that said 2020 schedule update right and then they didn't release the schedule <laughs> well it, maybe that was just a mistake but I mean I get that they're updating that the that the races were canceled so I mean in, in a technical standard yes the photo would work but it you know as we all know, the way people read these days is they don't read. So, Well, okay, here. So now, look, you wanted to use but, the PR deal for, for Larson with NASCAR. I'm going to use the PR deal with NHRA. There's, in, I, I mean, just think about the fact that if you just take the states that the races are left in, right, and you've got, you've got to sit down, you've got to contact the legislators in each one, each one of those states and understand the clearance and the requirements for each one of the states that you want to hold an event in. And and it's not like, you know, you go to one Jimmy John's, every Jimmy John's has the same thing on the menu, right? Well, that's just not how it's working with the states. Oh, yeah, it's it's a mess. But before we delve into that too, too deep, I want to bring in our, our guest because I, I'm sure he has an opinion on some of this stuff. So I think that would be a good idea. Are, are you sure you want to? Are, okay, so you sold me on bringing him on the show. And I didn't know something about him until about eight o'clock this morning, and now you got him on the show, Did, and you want to bring him in. Did you know that he is a bona fide lawyer? Yes, I and did. You, and you wanted to bring him on the show. Yes, I did. You thought that was smart. Absolutely. He uh, 
he means more to my family than most than, uh, than many people in the world. So um, he's a very good guy, and uh, I'm definitely uh, going to put my neck out there for him to be on the show. So there. Did you did you not hear me say that he's a lawyer? Yeah, that's why he's in my corner. Okay, look, I, I don't know. <laughs> I'm gonna have to call my owner because he's not gonna be happy that I'm probably gonna have to get our lawyer involved because Paul's probably gonna be like in us quickly because uh, we're obviously going to get off the rails with this phone call. But there is nothing better and more enjoyable for me to say, but welcome to the show, Mr. Paul Lee, CEO, owner, extraordinaire of McLeod Racing, FTI, and driver of the Global Technologies Nitro NHRA Funny Car. Welcome to Racers and Rental Cars, sir. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. I'm excited no to be here. Happy no to be problem. here and share some time with you guys. Heck yeah, Don! You forgot. You forgot the most important part. You forgot lawyer in there. No, yeah. no, no. Yeah, <laughs> everybody heard me say lawyer before we got him on the show. So I, I got that. That was the probably the one thing this morning that made my eyebrows go up at, at eight o'clock, uh, as I was researching background, and I'm like, holy cow, he is a bona fide lawyer in two states. No, just one state. Well, they had you because li- it's New Jersey, right? Yes. Okay. All right. They- but in the in the in the in the kind of uh, I was a corporate attorney, securities lawyer, and I worked at the Philadelphia Stock Exchange. So when you're in the securities lawyer, you don't have to be a bar member of, of that particular state where the stock exchange is located. You just have to be a member of any bar. So there's certain federal um, requirements. There are different requirements, and depending on the kind of law you practice. Well, that goes along with the fact that you've got an extensive background as being CFO. As I understood as well. Yeah, I mean, after my uh, legal career, actually, my legal career, I stopped being, a, you know, uh, actually getting paid for being an attorney back in 2001 or 2002 after 9-11. Uh, and that's a whole nother story. That would take another <laughs> hour because 9-11 has a lot to do with why I stopped being a lawyer. Um, but then uh, and another thing was, you know, when I being a securities lawyer, when you when you uh, work for the, one of the exchanges, if the stock exchange is open, you have to be at work unless you're taking a vacation day. It's not like I can take a day off here with no pay. It doesn't work that way. And it seriously was cutting into my drag racing time. Not a boy. So I had to. Uh, and that's and that's an honest to God's truth. I mean, as I got older and I want and I was racing more, I was driving alcohol funny cars back then in Division one. And I wanted to race more. And uh, I, I just had to get out of that life. And that's when I became a a CFO and a consultant for, for lots of different companies, including Bonifani Friction in Philadelphia, where I grew up. There you go. See, I, I like that. You know, he people strive to be lawyers and, you know, all these, these what they call, consider highfalutin uh, jobs. But us drag racers, we just leave that to the to the birds and we're going to go back drag racing. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I could go to two events a year and that was English Town and Maple Grove as far as national events. Uh, you know, the division races were mostly on weekends anyway, so I could do right. that. But to, as far as going to any national events, I just couldn't do it. And, and back in the 90s, I was racing a lot. And then early 2000s, I started racing more and I just wanted to race more. And and I, and I was tired of that career anyway. It was a lot of high pressure, a lot of hours. I Which couldn't I didn't even mind. Imagine. It was good money, but it was time, you know, when, as I got older, that the money was less important and doing what I loved was paramount. And that included, uh, drag racing and following my dreams. Yeah. Okay. So let's, let's bring our audience because we do have a very diverse audience group that they turn left and they go up and down over top of these Hills and the motocross world and so forth. So, Let's talk about a couple things that I think are pretty significant, and then you pitch in there where you think they're what I'm missing. Sure. You, you literally cheated death. A couple of times. So let's talk about that. Uh, 1984, um, uh, I was a skydiver. I was a skydiver for 18 years. I had an expert license, or I used to have an expert license. Since 1981, I had an expert license. And uh, when I wasn't drag racing on the weekends, if I had an off weekend, I would be skydiving. So I spent pretty much every one of my weekends back in the 80s and some of the 90s either skydiving or drag racing. If, I, if it was a weekend, I'd be at one of those two places. And I had a um, uh, my chute, parachute collapse about 100 feet from the ground in 1984, which was my first instance. 
and uh, I hit the ground going about 100 miles an hour. This was in Florida. I was on vacation at a skydiving event in Florida, and uh, I hit the ground going uh, going about 50 miles an hour. I broke my legs. I uh, crushed my heel, broke my hip, pelvis, three broken ribs, punctured lung, and a concussion. And if it wasn't for a, a nurse that was skydiving with us that day, uh, I would have died before the ambulance ambulance got there because I had a punctured lung that was filling up with blood. So she knew how to keep me breathing until the ambulance got there, which probably was 30 minutes after my accident. Oh my and uh, to this day, I don't remember a thing because of trauma. I was in trauma. I woke up in the hospital uh, like 24 hours later, and I didn't know how I got there. I was looking around the room, and I see my family. And remind me, this I was from Philadelphia, New Jersey, and this happened in Florida. And I woke up the next day, and my parents were in the in the uh, in the room, in the in the uh, in the intensive care room where I was. And apparently, the doctors told them that I wasn't going to make it to the next day, and and they flew down and got on the next flight and came there to be with me. So uh, wow. how I did almost, your your shoot? I mean, when it collapsed, like is that, that an air thing or it just yeah, it was, I was. I was uh, young. I was like 24 at the time, I think, around there. And, you know, I was young and dumb and didn't think anything, you know. Hot shot and kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. And didn't think anything could happen to me. And I was messing around with my parachute too close to the ground. Mm. And it was my own fault. You know, I was just I was just being a little bit too crazy. Wow. And uh, it almost cost me. And it did. It actually did cost me because even to this day, I still walk with a limp. Uh, people don't notice because I have a uh, I wear a spacer in my right shoe because my right foot is my right leg is now a quarter of an inch uh, shorter than my left, so you can't tell unless I'm in bare feet. But in bare when I'm in bare feet, I actually walk with a limp still to this day. Wow, huh? So that, that was be- a year long recovery. That was a year. It took me. They told me I almost lost my right foot. Um, I was in the hospital. I had three major operations in and out of the hospital for a year. And uh, I learned how to learn how to walk again. And I was lucky. I was just lucky to be alive. But you know, a year later, after my accident, I got up in the plane and skydived again. I was just going to ask you that. Did you skydive again after that? And- I did. I, I skydived continuously. I, I made it probably another 1,200 jumps after that over the course oh, wow. of 12 years. I jumped until probably the early 2000s. And oh, this okay. happened in 1984. Five, I'm sorry, 1985. So I jumped for another 15 years after that. Wow, that's crazy. <laughs> so your so your limp is a uh, reminder of uh, not to be stupid. Well, yeah, that was pretty stupid. I, I definitely, uh, yeah, yeah. I try not to do stupid things anymore. <laughs> so that's so what we always said in the military. You, you know, have something bad happen to you on a training exercise or a deployment, and you go, ah, that was that was from something stupid. So that'll continue to remind me not to do that again. Yeah, I when I come up to a decision or, you know, there's a choice to make, you know, I don't try not to do anything stupid now. (laughs) Well, let's talk about your heart attack because that was your second time. That was. Yeah, that was, uh, you know, it's something. I mean, I've been an athlete my whole life. I've been in, I've played different sports. I was a wrestler. I've been in the martial arts, of course, skydiving and racing. I've always trained and worked out and exercised and ate right, right. And I always considered myself to be in great physical condition. And uh, my grandmother lived to be 101, so I believed, hey, well, I have great genes. I'm good. I can eat all the salt I want and do whatever I want. Now, I never did. I was never into drugs or um, smoked. I never did that. So, I mean, I led a pretty healthy lifestyle. And uh, so they recommend you get a... um, they recommend anybody over 50 to get a stress test. And I, I don't need a stress test. I'm, I'm in great shape. My grandmother lived to 101. And, you know, uh, you know, I'm in good shape. And all of a sudden, three years ago, two and a half years ago now, after the 2016 PRI show, I felt great. had a good time at the show. The next day I came back, I was working out in my gym at home. I have a little, uh, I have a little gym at home that I work out in when I can't go to LA Fitness. And uh, I... I was on the life cycle. I came downstairs and I had chest pains. And this is, it was a complete surprise to me because I had no indications of anything. I didn't, you know, a lot of times when people have a heart attack, they were sick or they feel, they get sweaty or they had, you know, uh, you know, different things happen to them that give them an alert. Well, I had no alert. 
I came down and I said to my girlfriend at the time, uh, I said, you know, I got, I got chest pain. I think I got, you know, heartburn. And I've had heartburn before, right? right? And it felt just like heartburn for about 20 seconds. And then all of a sudden it just started getting worse and worse. And I go, I think I'm having a heart attack. And within a minute, I tell you, my body started shutting down and I literally couldn't stand. I had to sit down. I felt nauseous. Uh, actually, I, I went blind. My, my sight went away. Uh, my, num- my fingers on both arms, uh, both hands, they went numb. I had numbness in my shoulders, all the signals of a heart attack. And luckily, she was there. And I said, call 911. She called 911. And I li- luckily for me, this is another lucky the first one was I was lucky to have a nurse there, right, that helped me to keep me breathing until the ambulance got there. Well, in this instance, I live literally right across the street from the EMT station. So <laughs> they were at my house in four minutes. Wow. And they got me stable. And they got me to the hospital. And within 25 minutes, I was in the operating room at St. Joseph's Hospital in Orange. Getting, you know, in the operating room. Uh, of course, I had lost all. Uh, I couldn't see anything i couldn't talk i lost all functions of uh, of the only thing i could do is i could hear and that goes to show uh, you know that proved to me that you know because I, I was dying my heart literally stopped it wasn't one of those heart attacks where you know it you know the blood was flowing but barely no this was a hundred percent blockage 100 percent heart failure which called a widowmaker heart attack so they say less than eight percent of people that have those survive so wow. I was just extremely lucky again that one, my girlfriend was there to call 911 and two, the EMT center was right across the street <laughs> from where I live. I mean, how lucky can I be? I mean, so they got me in and I could hear everything that was going on. I just couldn't respond. So they got me to the hospital, the doctor, they wheeled me into the operating room and I could hear the doctor saying, hey, you, you've had a heart attack and we're going to go through your, uh, uh, to put in stints right. into my heart. They're gonna open up the vein. So they, I guess they saw that the vein was 100% blocked. So they went in, and I could feel them, and I could feel them the whole time do this, going through my groin and going up through the vein into my chest and putting in three stints and unblocking the uh, artery that was 100% blocked. And wow. I'll tell you, I, had, I never felt pain like that. It was like an elephant was sitting on my chest. Oh. So yeah. I, was, I was in intensive care for about a week before they let me out and the, the chest pain was going on for a good four or five days i had severe chest pain so you know that was another lucky instance i mean i have i have permanent damage now that's never going to go away so i still have to keep up on my exercise routine more than ever now to keep the strength in my heart right so. isn't that crazy that you i mean the way the human body is like you like you said you oh i'm perfect health like i work out i do whatever it's like same thing happened to my mom. My mom had a heart attack laying by the pool in Palm Springs. And wow. it was, I mean, this was years ago. And everybody, when you tell people that, they think like, you know, she was 400 pounds and, you know, just ate meat all day. And, and smoked cigarettes or something. Yeah, and smoked cigarettes for 30 years. Like, she's never done any of that, you know. And it's it's crazy how how the human body just responds to certain things. And when it's it wants to decide, it's got a mind of its own at that point in time. Well, apparently I found out later on that I did have hereditary heart disease. Oh, did you? Okay. And this came from my grandfather's side of the family. Now, my grandfather did die of a heart attack young, and so did his two brothers. So apparently, I didn't get my grandmom's genes. I got my grandfather's genes. (laughs) So anyway, so that's what happened. So apparently, I did have hereditary heart disease, and if I would have had a stress test done when the doctor told me to, that's another thing I made a mistake. I mean, you know, have a stress test, and they could have seen that I had some blockage. They could have cleared it out, and I, and and I could have avoided a heart attack. Wow. So, do you go and play the lottery on a regular basis? <laughs> I, I yeah yeah I I played it before. I've never won, of course. But <laughs> just so so you're lucky in I your health. I think I already got the lottery twice. Yeah, I, I think you won. I think you won a couple times. <laughs> so you're lucky in health, not in financial. Maybe not in so. the lottery anyway. No, not, I, no not, I, just. Uh, no, that was something. I mean, it, it's like totally hit me by surprise. I mean, I would, like I said, it was the day after I got home from the PRI show. I was there for four or five days representing their company and having a good time. And and uh, the day I got home, luckily it happened when I got home and not at, in Indianapolis. Oh, yeah. Or on the plane or something like that. You know? Exactly. Yeah. 
Well, Paul, so let, let's fast forward here to some recent events. One, you've just recently acquired FTI, uh, getting ready to come up on your one-year anniversary here in a few more months. Um, so now you've got two critical companies in the horsepower development world that we need in drag racing. Let's talk about how COVID-19 is affecting McLeod and FTI. Well, yes, uh, thanks for bringing that up. Yeah, I mean, uh, both McLeod and uh, FTI, our performance, are leading companies in the driveline segment of high performance. And that's that's my specialty. Of course, I have a history of, you know, with Bonifani Friction. I, I mean, I grew, I grew up with Rob and Nikki Bonifani. I've known Rob since he was nine years old. And that's kind of how I got in. If you go way, way back, get into the funny cars is through the Bonifani family hanging out with Nikki and his dad at that car. So that's how I kind of got into that. And uh, so I've always been, you know, a clutch guy, even all the cars I ever drove, the alcohol cars I ever drove, even in the fuel funny cars when I first tried, but started driving them. I was the clutch guy. Not, I was never just a driver. I was always the clutch guy in every car. I, I know ever what that's like until now. Yeah. I mean, you know, that was my domain. So that was kind of my expertise was clutches. And then when McLeod came available, um, you know, it, it was it was struggling, and uh, you know, and I always wanted to move to California anyway. So um, it was great. It was just one of those companies. That here's a, a longtime brand, one of the original original SEMA member brands since the '60s, and uh, it's struggling. And I wanted to uh, buy it, so I made a deal. I bought it, came out here, worked on it a couple years, and uh, built it back up. And now we're doing awesome. And then, of course, you mentioned FTI performance. That came about a few years ago when uh, I wanted to expand. You know, you have a lot of these uh, companies like Holly and Edelbrock. They're expanding into other, other um, you know, brands segments, yeah. and segments of, of the aftermarket. Well, I wanted to do the same thing but stick in driveline. I didn't want to go outside of my core competency. So I figured, okay, no one's done this yet. People have either been a stick shift company or uh, an automatic and converter company. Well, I want it to be both. So I said, you know, so if we have two leading brand names, we can offer our customers, our big customers like Jags and Summit and Keystone and Turn 14 and Turn 5. They're our big customers. So now we can offer them uh, anything from a clutch to a converter. So we're, we're a one-stop shop for driveline. And this isn't the end. We're going we're gonna, to uh, keep going and, and expanding, but we're going to stay in the driveline segment. I want to do what those companies did, but staying in, in our core competency, which is driveline. That's what we know. We don't know air filters or wheels or uh, spark plugs or any of those things. We know driveline, and that's where I'd like to stay. Well, now, what's cool about that is, I mean, you, you're you a racer at, at, at the forefront. I mean, you you get it. You know, some sometimes these private equity firms and stuff like that, they just buy it because they're looking at the piece of paper, the P&L sheet. They're like, oh, yeah, this looks like a great company to buy. They don't even know what they make, whether it's an air filter or carburetor or whatever. But... What's awesome is you have a vested interest on that other side of it as well. It's not just like, oh, yeah, I'm a businessman. But, yes, you're an amazing businessman, but also somebody that cares about what they're doing, which is I think is really cool and wish we had more of you. <laughs> well, thanks, Cam. And that way you hit it. You hit the nail on the head because you're right. The, a lot of the investment firms, they're, they're, they look at it from an accounting point of view and not from the, uh, the car guy or hot rod. Or I'm a car guy, just like right. you guys. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm at first a customer. I had my first McLeod clutch when I was in high school, yeah. right? So, so I'm I'm no different than my customer. I'm the same as my customer, right? So that's how I look at the business: is what what would my customer want? You know, how would my customer? How would I want to be with customer service? So we look at all those things from the point of the customer and the hot rod guy and the car guy and or and girls. We have a lot of women customers too, but that's how I look at it because I'm a car guy. And and I'm on the other end with the, with the stuff that I buy for my race team. But yeah, I look at it from a different point of view than just accounting. Yeah. Well, let, awesome. let's. I, I like the fact that you already brought up the word customer because I I think that's where I want to lead you to next. And I want to talk about the customer side of it with NHRA and the fact that we're not drag racing. So you're a pro team owner and driver, and you also have two companies that supply components to racers and we're not racing so we're not wearing out we're not breaking the components that your company provides what is what is your vision what's your perspective right now uh for let's say the next 90 days in in how the sport 
of drag racing is going to get back on its feet? Well, um, there's a couple good questions there. Uh, one thing I noticed back in 2009, I bought this McLeod back in 2008, right in the beginning <laughs> of that recession, if you remember. And I noticed in 2009 that, you know, a lot of people were cutting back on their marketing, which I never believed in. I always believed in when the other guys are are backing off, you put the pressure on. It's like in a boxing match. If you have a guy, you're in a 10-round fight and you have the guy on the ropes, you, got, you don't stop. You just keep going. Right. So back in 2009, when people were cutting back on marketing dollars, I basically was had my foot on the gas was was with cap marketing and uh, and it helped because our sales actually increased in the recession. So now you come to this uh, situation we have now, uh, you know, different scenario, but an instant recession. So we keep up our marketing. We're still marketing to our customers. But what we're finding out now, before we answer the NHRA question, let's go to the customer. We have a lot of customers that are stuck at home, right? And they want to work on their cars. And they want to work on their cars. Yep. And they're doing it. Whether it's a clutch car for a McLeod clutch or an FTI converter and a transmission, people are buying the products and they're working on their cars. And Absolutely. they're either working on their street rods and their hot rods or their muscle cars, or they're preparing their cars to go drag racing. Right. So our sales in April actually increased this year over our April sales of last year, if you can believe that. And that's, that's because cool. we are in the hobby business. We are car guys and we our customers are car guys. And if I had a project at home, I'd be working on my car, too. Yeah. And, and how people hawk the house before they hawk that that project car they've had for 15 years. <laughs> exactly right. And we've that's that's where our sales have been coming from. People are, at our, the, you know, the people that are home, they're like, oh, I'm going to work on my project. So I'm going to get that clutch now or I'm going to get that converter and transmission. And I'm going to work on my car while I'm stuck at home. And yep. that's what's been happening. Well, I now, as far as NHRA goes, now let's if you want to get into the NHRA thing, um, there's two parts to that. There's the there's the the bracket racers. The, like the high dollar bracket races and the weekend bracket races, which are there way more of than what I do and what you do, Cam, in the, on the nitro level. Okay. Right. The nitro level, it's hard to race because we need the fans. Okay. And, and that's why we haven't been racing is because NHRA, we need the fans for the, for the, for the purse. We don't have a pay TV package uh, that can pay us like NASCAR and IRL and, and Formula One. You know, we have to rely on our fans. So, therefore, we're going to have to wait till we can have fans to race. Absolutely. But on the other side, on the bracket racers now, uh, this past weekend, uh, I've heard there was 500 racers at a race in Oklahoma. Yeah, and yeah wasn't that in Ardmore, right? Yeah, it was in Ardmore, yeah. right? Yeah. It's amazing. So, I mean, there you go. I mean, the racers were buying their stuff, getting ready to race, and as soon as they open those gates, and it's good to know. It's really good to know that drag racing in particular is alive and well in the United States. 100%. I love it. I mean, people are out there with their cars, and, and they can race. You can race a bracket race because it's not really a big fan uh, right. base at those races. It's guys out there with their cars. So, you know, there's so there's two parts to the, to the racing. NHRA, you know, the, the professional classes that need the fans, but then there's the bracket races, which are way more of those than, than us out there racing every weekend, and they're the real hardcore racers, and I'm I'm really proud of them, actually. I'm pretty proud to, to be part of that family where these guys are out there, and you know what? They're saying, heck with it. I'm going to go race. Yeah, right. they, they had uh, 500 in Ardmore, and they had over, I think it was like over 350 at an event in Tennessee. Uh, and they're, they're having them. They're having them again. There's uh, supposed to be another big, uh, big money bracket race this weekend. Uh, should be taking place as the podcast is coming out down in Texas, and the Cummins family is actually putting on a... Uh, an event down in it i think that they call that pine valley i think it's lufkin texas um but no what's I mean, pretty cool about that too is you know with you know for paul i mean being the owner of fti i mean that's that's one of the main key players of of that world so it's uh it's got to be pretty gratifying and satisfying to, to look on the you know the result sheets or whatever and and of those 500 or 800 car you know the couple tracks i mean a large percentage of i'd be willing to bet i mean I'd throw out a number of being 60 to 75% of the people there probably have your products, which is awesome. 
Yeah, yeah, it is awesome. I think you're right, Cam. And I mean, especially in in the in the southeast and 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 in mm-hmm. the south mid west like Texas, right. we have a lots of customers there, and 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 it, and it's showing in the sales. I mean, they're you know they're they're sending their transmissions back for rebuilds, getting new converters to try. I mean, I, I, it's like we've never stopped. And right. it's, it's actually been great. It's uh, you know we're very fortunate to be in. The business that we're in, I'm so proud to be part of drag racing and all kinds of racing, too, because FTI, we sell to monster truck guys and the mutters and, uh, you know, all kinds of all kinds of different racing cars. Yeah, Greg, Greg definitely has a diverse client base. Uh, him and his wife have worked really hard. Uh, they're the awesome years. people. They're, yeah. they're, they're so awesome. And when I met the when I met Greg at the SEMA show a few years ago and we talked about doing this and uh, and I was looking to do something in that in, in that segment and uh once i was introduced to uh greg and uh, then i met phaedra it was like um you know these are the people i want to work with and it's worked out great i mean you know it's been eight months now uh, eight or nine months now and it's like tell you what i couldn't be happier of how things are going that's awesome that's well we always talk about paul like and you know this from the business world nine times out of ten when when you need to do something in the business world if you get told no it's because of resources something in the resource category right now you mentioned the fact of having fans for the nitro side to be able to exist or work or get back to making laps down the racetrack does the the impact of parts fuel the the logistics side of those resources how much of that is playing in to your mind right now as you come up with a strategy i'm sure that's hot jello to to coincide with the hot jello strategy coming from the nhra on schedule right now how much of that is playing is weighing on your mind i mean you're you're in california your satellite team's in indiana correct yeah yes we're we we, our shop is at don schumacher racing so we rent space at dsr um we're into the in the shop right next to antron brown's car and uh, we use all their facilities. We buy all our parts from them. So we're a customer of DSR. So it's not just we buy car, you know, engine parts and blocks and heads, but we also, you know, use their wrap shop. And, and, and we buy all our little parts. And, and anytime we need to use something, that, you know, the blower dyno or the, fuel, or the flow bench, you know, we have those resources. And, and it's, it's, really, it's really worked out great. I don't have to ship any heads to get fixed. They're right. They fix them right there. If I need to get the chassis welded or a front half, I roll it over to the chassis shop. They put a front half on it. If I need to get a, a new wrap, which we do a lot of body wraps, I have three bodies. And uh, we roll it over to the wrap shop and they wrap it right there. They send me a bill. So, I mean, it's worked out great. So parts wise, I'm not really worried. We have plenty of parts. Uh, we have plenty of, we have three bodies. Um, we have, we have probably uh, enough to put together six motors. Uh, we have three complete injector blower setups. So we have, we, have, we have plenty of parts. Now, getting to your question about, you know, the schedule, I like it. I like the proposed schedule that leaked out, let's say. <laughs> but I, I, I was asked about that, um, you know, through NHRA, they've been they've been really good with uh, communicating with me at least. I mean, I talk on a weekly basis, and they're asking me my opinion on on everything. And uh, I I I think, in my opinion, uh, they've done a great job. Okay, so if we do 16 in a row, but look at the benefits. They're two day races except for Indy. That's great. That I saves that. me two runs on Friday. And it saves me a block of hotel rooms. I'm going to save probably twenty twenty five thousand a race. What that's going to be able to do is allow me to go to more races. Right. Okay. So now, I, with this schedule that they're proposing, I'll be able to do most, if not all, of them because of the two day races. Now, yeah. will I have to hire uh, one or two? You know, all our guys were fly in guys because we we raced, you know, maybe once or two times a month. But if we do these back to back races like the proposing, yeah, I'll hire a couple of guys. But in the long run, it's worth the investment. And I'm still saving money. Absolutely. And I we have the, the resources of PSR for the parts. Yeah, I think the two day thing is is phenomenal. And hats off to, to NHRA for looking into that. And I, I hope it sticks, you know. Well, well, what I understand is, you know, they want to try it this year. And, and you know, what what I've heard 
that if it works out well, that they might, you know, they'd like in the future have, I'm not saying all of them two days, but they'll have some of them be two days, Yeah, which I'm all for, you know, I'm all for that. You know, I mean, you know, back in the 20 years ago when there was 28 funny cars that showed up at a race for 16 cars. Yeah. I mean, you might need four runs, but we have 16 cars. Why do you need four runs? Yeah. You could have a bad run or even a bad day, but Hey, that's the way it is. I, I, I'm in favor of it. I like it. And it's going to allow me to go to more events. So do you not see that as a challenge uh, to overcome? You know, you say you have enough parts for six engines uh, with, you know, let's let's go with the leaked schedule and say that it's 12 of them back to back. Uh, Do you not think that that's a significant challenge being that you're a customer of DSR and their fleet? of cars uh, i mean i know you're you're saving two runs of qualifying so you know obviously if you're doing a rotation basis on rods pistons crank and block and, and cylinder heads you you know maybe you can stretch six to make that 12 uh maybe at 50 percent. but do you not still see that as a challenge to overcome uh i don't think it's any more of a challenge i think it would be a challenge if it was three-day races back to back to back we we, I, we, we couldn't I, most of the teams couldn't do that. Even even the bigger teams, I don't believe, could do that. They would just wear out their guys, you know. But having two day races, I mean, the guys need time off. If you're going to go twelve weeks in a row, um, you got to have some time off. But when you only have two qualifying runs and then your four runs on Sunday, you budget for, of course, in your parts. You know, I I, I think it's going to help us a lot and. Um, and we have, you know, we have parts on order. It's not like we just start ordering parts when we wear out. We already, we automatically have crankshaft automatically coming to our shop pre-ordered as, you know, just like I do here with my business, you know, pistons and rods, the same thing. You know, we have a standing order in a DSR for, you know, pistons and rods and all the, you know, the, what I call race car consumables, yep. you know, um, you know, we have plenty of the oil and the spark plugs and, and that stuff, um, you know, with two, with two less runs a race, I think, uh, I think it's going to help us out. Like I said, I haven't done it yet, but this is, you know, sitting down with my pencil and, you know, math and my calculator, you know, I, I, you know, I can see us saving some significant money, you know, only having to make the two qualifying instead of four and then also a block of rooms one less day as well. I didn't, I, that's a substantial number at 25 grand. I hadn't heard it climb that high, uh, in a few people that I had kind of, had things put in my ear but that's a that's a large number and if you do stretch that out over the course of 10 races and you start talking about you know quarter of a million dollars that that that's you know that's changing money for for a team um whether they're big or small from that standpoint yeah we're a small team so just just be can just say it's 15 just speaking on the on the low side say okay well i can comfortably say 15,000 a race oh yeah that's still Easy. that's still yeah. a couple hundred grand yep which no. goes a long way for small teams like uh, like I am and like Cam's part of. Oh yeah, yeah. The I think the logistics part of it, I think you know on and I liked your phrase leaked schedule, which which I which I got told that that was like not even remotely close to bubble gum. Um, <laughs> it looked like there was only a couple on there that if you sat down and looked at a map and you go, gee whiz, are you kidding me? Yeah, I you know the one that kind of struck me was the the Gainesville to St. Louis, uh, that was I think was what's that that was at like late September, uh, for for that I mean that's you know again that's like driving from Brainerd to New Hampshire type type situation, um, but I I mean I thought the logistic piece of it there was some mileage saving if you will yeah. if all the state yeah. legislators play play ball. Uh, so yeah. I, yeah, I, you know, which I still think that's a, that's a huge piece. So let's talk about that from your standpoint. How are you keeping on your operation side organization? Are you keeping up with the different States and, and how they're opening or they're functioning when it comes to how it impacts your products and your brands? hundred percent. Oh yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. I mean, uh, obviously, you know, without getting into much politics here, I believe that the media is really, you can't believe everything you read on the media. Let's just leave it at that. Okay. So I kind of do my own research and, and go into my own, you know, statistics where you can believe things. I don't, I don't believe the TV. I don't go into, you know, half the, half the, most of the stuff you see is just not true. So I believe it when I get information from the friends that I know in those States, like my, for example, 
in Texas. Jim Overhopper is my crew chief. He lives in Texas, has a business in Plano. So I talk to Jim, of course, a couple of days a week. And it's like, Jim, how's it going down there? Are things opening up? And so he keeps me informed what's going on in Texas. Right. right. So and of course, in Florida, which is a key area for our business for FTI and in bracket racing in the southeast. So Greg keeps me up to date on what's going on. Troy Williams, who works for FTI, he's a big bracket racer. He keeps me up to date. You know, Ohio, Summit, Jags, the people that I know there. Um, so pretty much, you know, most of the states were were affected with not only the business, but looking forward to racing. I'm keeping an eye on. Now, of course, I live in California with Cam. And uh, we have a governor that's hell-bent on just not open, doing anything for sports in, in two Trying to ruin everyone's life. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's just totally, you know, it's, it's, that's a whole other political argument that I'm be, I'd be happy to talk about any time. Uh, <laughs> is these guys, these people are in California, you know, they're running it like a police state. Uh, you know, they have cops in the beach in Huntington Beach this weekend trolling the beach to make sure pe people weren't going on the beach. I mean, the governor's already said no sporting events for 2020. So getting, you know, the reason why I bring that up is, you know, Pomona and Sonoma, you know, two of our, you know, our home races, Pomona. And then, of course, Sonoma is up the street. And, and according to him, he's already said no racing. So uh, we'll see. I mean, I, you know, they're, they're, they're different out here, let's just say. But I mean, uh, I mean, I would love to have those races on the schedule. But, you know, according to these people, they they're hell betting on not having any kind of sporting event out here. And, and, and the same goes with Washington State. I mean, I think Washington, Oregon and California governors are all in the same. Uh, they play golf together or something because they're all they're all doing the same thing. They're all running their states like a, a like a police state, let's just say. And uh, but the, but the other states, like you like you said, I mean, Texas. Uh, Florida, Georgia, all those states that are opening up and racing and that, you know, and, and there are customers are there. So, uh, you know, yes, I, I keep real close watch on it pretty much every day. Well, good. That's that's good to know. I'd like to hear the positive, the optimism in your voice that works well for our audience. Uh, I don't like the doom and gloom. Yeah, I like the glass half full approach to everything. And that may Same here. That may very well just be the military leadership in my background. I, I just being half empty is just worthless. That's Yeah, I, well you just half it's glass might be half full, but you figure out how can you fill it. Right. right. Exactly. Yeah. And so yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm pretty optimistic around the country. Uh, you know, I'm 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 also a realist. But uh, you know, you know, Warren Buffett said, you know, don't bet against America. So um, I'm pretty comfortable with Mr. Trump in office. And um, and if it wasn't for him being in office, I'd be really scared right now. But I'm pretty I'm pretty happy about how things are going, except for in California. OK, well, I Paul, we really appreciate you coming on. Uh, you've got we got to take our parting shots at you here as you get ready to leave. Sure. We do all our guests. But before I do that, tell our listeners where to find out about Paul Lee McLeod and FTI. Well, we have uh, our, our Facebook is uh, Paul Lee Racing uh, at Facebook and at Paul Lee uh, 116 is our Instagram. And uh, so we're constantly updating those. And uh, also our McLeodRacing.com website and also FTIPerformance.com as well. Thank you for downloading today's episode of Racers and Rental Cars podcast brought to you by MotionRaceworks.com. Stop by MotionRaceworks.com for all of your high performance needs. If you need to go fast, motionraceworks.com. Hey, Cam. Yes, Don. Do you ever think about how crammed your trailer is when you go race? Dude, all the time. Race cars, golf carts, jets, power wheels, and all of his toys, his little dirt bikes, his strider bikes, all that stuff. I'm crammed. But I'm sure everybody in motorsports is feeling the same way. Well, now our audience has someone to call. They need to call Lance at lbtrailers.com. Lance is carrying over 70 motorsports haulers in stock options from top to bottom. We always talk about looking the part in motorsports, traveling up and down the road and at the track. Now you can look the part with LB trailer sales. Go to online to lbtrailers.com or stop by Facebook at LB trailer sales. You have a friend in the trailer business and make sure to tell them that racers and rental cars sent you. All right, Paul. Well, the two questions that we ask all of our guests before they leave our show is the first one is you get to send one Christmas card to anybody dead or alive in motorsports. Who's it going to? 
Ayrton Senna, hands down. Okay, you're going to have to educate me. Ayrton Senna was a Formula One race car driver. Ayrton Senna was probably the greatest talent, in my opinion, the greatest talent of any automotive uh, racing drivers in our history. He uh, died in 1994 at the uh, Italian Grand Prix in Imola, Italy. And uh, the guy, there's um, there's biography on him. There's a real good um, documentary on him. On If you go on to uh, Netflix or uh, one of those has a documentary. It's called Senna. And you just, I will you definitely have, look you, that up. I would like to. I you have, have to, to see that. it. I mean, Ayrton Senna was, you know. He was a three-time world champion, and he only raced probably six years. And, you know, he he would have been many, many many-time world champion if he would have lived. So that's my answer for that. That was an easy one. Okay. I'm going to have, you know, I'm I'm a Netflix person as I just started. I think uh, everyone is right now currently, Don. No, well, yeah. Everyone's looking, well, unless you found the end of Netflix, which is, you know, everyone's getting close. (laughs) No, 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 because, you know, I one, I was forced to watch Tiger King by my two daughters uh but i and i've not completed ozark and i'm not sure that i'm gonna complete ozark because i just found newsroom and (laughs) i I am completely engulfed into that show because of the media and the pr and so forth and i i am extremely intrigued by that right now uh even though i think the show came out in like 2012 um so yeah i'll have to look uh look this up on on netflix so i appreciate that paul our there's li- also, you know, if you guys look on online, there's an article written by Tony Kanan, and it's called "Why We Why We We Race Why We Race." Just do a little Google search on "Why We Race" by Tony Kanan, Kanan, the IndyCar driver. It's a great article that describes about not only um, IndyCar racers, but why us, like as nitro racers and drag racers, why we race. It's an excellent article. Okay, looky there, Paul dropping tidbits. Uh, as you know, as you know, a lawyer would drop dropping those tidbits uh, uh, of further education, if you will. I appreciate that, sir. Our last question for you: You get to send one WTF card to anybody in motorsports. Who are you sending it to? Ah, uh, hmm, that's a good one. WTF? Well, yeah. Um, I know who I would like to have sent it to. Send it, because they're probably not listening. No longer part of the organization would have been Graham Light. Oh, there's a first. There is a first. But he's no longer with them. But I mean, I I got along with Graham. But it's like sometimes I'm wondering where. What is he? What you know? What are these? You know, let's not get into that. But it's a WTF card, and let's leave it at that. I like that. That's a good answer. There we go. I think the guys at NHRA now are doing a great job, especially Ned Wallister. I mean, you know, especially the communication that he's given to all us owners uh, and, um, you know, about you know what they're doing. They're keeping in communication and, and, and it's the best communication I've ever seen. They've never done that before. You know, yeah. so I got to applaud them for. Yes. OK, so we don't have the schedule yet. I mean, it's pretty hard to do that with all these governors in different directions. Yeah. When you're you're pointing at a at a floating target out there. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly <laughs> what they're doing is shooting yeah. at a floating. You got it right. That's a good analogy. But that's what's happening. But I really I think they're doing a great job. I'm not just saying that, you know, me, I, I don't mind saying, you know, I don't have a problem, you know, calling someone out if I don't agree with them. Now, do I agree with everything? No, I don't agree with this nitro thing where we're charged extraordinary prices for nitro, but that's a whole nother story to get. <laughs> but as far overall, as far as the, the COVID thing, I think they're doing good. And uh, I just want to get back racing, whether it's six, eight races, 12 races or 16. Let's just go have a season. Well, I don't think you're going to get much argument there. I think everybody just wants to get back to, to racing because it'll seem like we're getting back to some sort of normalcy. Uh, and, yeah. and when you can't when you can't have normalcy in your life, that's that's pretty unnerving for a lot of people. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah. Groundhog Day really starts to wear on you. And that's a good that's a good one, too. Yes. It's, it's Groundhog Day every day. <laughs> yeah. We we didn't have uh when we were in Kosovo one time, it was somebody took a calendar and they took a black sharpie and they went through the month and they they just they completely colored out all the days, the numbers on it, and they all they did was give it give it one two three four five and so forth. There was no days of the week because we did the same thing every day, 
and we had like 120 days or whatever left until we left and that's exactly what they did on the calendar and it was very i mean if you really think about it, it puts things in perspective it, it just doesn't yeah. matter what what the day is it's what you're going to do that day so well right. well paul thank you for coming on the show i'm hey glad. man thanks for having me i mean it was yeah. fun it was, it was awesome fun. well yeah, no a lot of a lot of guys uh, and gals that listen to the show they they like when we have you know heads of corporations and things like that because you know like i said we we kind of drive on talking about business and you know because people people don't get to hear that you know like us we get jaded to it so um you know because it's just our general casual conversations all the time but you know a lot of the listeners out there they uh they really appreciate it so thank you very much for coming oh, on you're welcome. i mean i just love being both a car guy and uh, in the business of what i love so i don't feel like i even have a job so it's awesome <laughs> Well, nice. so thanks I, again. Thanks, guys. Well, we'll no have problem. you back on, sir, as we get closer to SEMA and PRI, and we'll talk about your marketing strategy and how you pick racers and choose racers and markets that you decide to spend your actual marketing dollars in for your companies. Okay, that's a great one. Yeah, I'd love to. I enjoy it. I, I'm sure. Awesome. I'm sure that that sh- that show will definitely take much longer than just a short answer. <laughs> yes. <laughs> thanks a lot, sir. We appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Have a great no day, problem. man. Thank you, you too. at the track. Yes, Sounds sir. Good. Thank you. Well, there you go, Cam. There's nothing better than having, like you said, somebody from the head of a corporation that is a car guy that understands both sides of the coin of being a driver and a business owner, but also being a racer and the, and the business aspect of it. So it's, it's really cool. His story is unique. Like I said, this morning, I was like, huh, I thought I... Pr- pretty much knew uh everything that was like really uh earth shattering about mr lee until uh the whole lawyer thing popped up on my screen and that just made me go say what yeah no that that's what's super cool about paul and like you know like i mentioned at the beginning of the show you know he he's uh a little more tied to to my immediate family as you know my wife works for him and you know he she comes home obviously she's working from home right now but she she comes home on a daily basis talking about how she loves her job and how she loves her boss. And to have a, a uh, you know, opportunity like that to work with somebody like that and me getting to be able to know him, you know, just through Angie working there and stuff has, has been super cool. And, uh, you know, like you said, every time you talk to him, you hear you find something new and, and intriguing and exciting about about the guy. And uh, it's uh, it's pretty awesome to uh, to be involved with him and, you know, on a small scale. So. Um, you know, in my, in my world. And, you know, he, uh, he means more to my family than, uh, like I said, he will ever, uh, he will ever know. So it's cool. All right. It sounds like he means like 50% of your monthly income, but nonetheless. Yeah. Well, that too, that too. <laughs> you know. But well, aside from that, he's, he's just a great dude. And, you know, when I, when I go and visit the shop, he's, he's always uh, extremely welcoming and he he loves, uh, he loves our son jet just as much as, uh, as we do. So it's cool. He, He's a good dude. All right. Well, as we're going to wrap up the show here, before anybody jumps off and doesn't continue to listen, I just got a text message from Dougie Fresh from MotionRaceWorks.com. He just sent out and told me that for the next two weeks, 15% off all apparel discount, including tire covers, banners, and fender covers as well. Use the code RENTALCARS at checkout. And take advantage of your 15%. So, uh, huge shout out. Thank you very much to Mr. Dougie Fresh from MotionRaceWorks.com. If you're not following them on Instagram, Facebook, you need to be because they are putting out some awesome content and building a lot of cool stuff in the high-performance world. And they are all about made-in-the-USA products. So, again, go over to MotionRaceWorks.com. Buy yourself a t-shirt, a banner, a tire cover, fender cover. Use the code RENTALCARS at checkout and receive 15% off your total. There you go. Don't forget about Lance at LB Trailer Sales and uh, PDS, Performance Data Systems, for all your data logging needs. And, of course, Voice America for uh, producing a show for us. We we greatly appreciate uh, all the help that uh, goes out to doing this show you know we uh we enjoy doing it and uh, it's even more satisfying when uh we we get to see the numbers every week so um with that i'm sweating my butt off in this garage so i'm gonna go stick my feet in the pool jet's little it's not like an actual pool it's like jet's little 
Don't back up now. Cool. Don't back up now. <laughs> don't back up now. You yeah. try. Don't try to. Don't try to back. You cannot put the genie back in the bottle. Okay. <laughs> it is not possible. All right. Well, I'm gonna go swimming then. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. All right. Take I'm care. Go tread water somewhere else. <laughs> yeah. You go tread water somewhere else, and we'll look forward to talking to everybody next week. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe at wherever you are listening to our podcast at. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to the Racers and Rental Cars podcast. Today's episode is brought to you in part by Motion Raceworks, Performance Data Systems, Streetway Marketing and Media, and Stupid Fast Racing, and RacersandRentalCars.com.